Chapter 11, Section 1, Geography and the Rise of Rome. If you're in your textbook, this is page 324. Hello, superstars. This section is going to be about the geography of the location where Rome began, which, of course, contributes to why people settled there, and the rise of Rome, which means we'll be learning about how they got their government organized and how it changed over time. Take a look at your digital handout and read through the questions for the first blue section, Geography of Italy. Now that you know where you're, what you're looking and listening for, we can get started. The Geography of Italy. Rome eventually became the center of one of the greatest civilizations of the ancient world. In fact, the people of Rome conquered many of the territories you've studied in this book, including Greece, Egypt, and Asia Minor. Italy, where Rome was built, is a peninsula in southern Europe. If you look at the map, you can see that Italy looks like a high-heeled boot sticking out into the Mediterranean Sea. Physical features. Look at the map again to find Italy's two major mountain ranges. In the north are the Alps, Europe's highest mountains. Another range, the Apennines, runs the length of the Italian peninsula. This rugged land made it hard for ancient people to cross from one side of the peninsula to the other. In addition, some of Italy's mountains, such as Mount Vesuvius, are volcanic. Their eruptions could devastate Roman towns. Not much of Italy is flat. Most of the land that isn't mountainous is covered with hills. Throughout history, people have built cities on these hills for defense. As a result, many of the ancient cities of Italy, including Rome, sat atop hills. Rome was built on seven hills. Several rivers flow out of Italy's mountains. Because these rivers were a source of fresh water, people also built their cities near them. For example, Rome lies on the Tiber River. Climate. Most of Italy, including the area around Rome, has warm, dry summers and mild, rainy winters. This climate is similar to that of Southern California. Italy's mild climate allows people to grow a wide variety of crops. Grains, citrus fruits, grapes, and olives all grow well there. A plentiful food supply was one key factor in Rome's early growth. Now that we've finished the first part of this section, go to the digital handout and answer the questions. After answering the questions, play the map game and add your score to your handout before continuing. Directions for taking screenshots of your game score are on the handout. Did you remember to look at the questions for the next part, Rome's legendary origins? If you didn't, do that now. Rome's legendary origins. Page 326. Rome's early history is wrapped in mystery. No written records exist, and we have little evidence of the city's early days. All we have found are ancient ruins that suggest people lived in the area of Rome as early as the 800s BC. However, we know very little about how they lived. Would it surprise you to think that the ancient Romans were as curious about their early history as we are today? Rome's leaders wanted their city to have a glorious past that would make the Roman people proud. Imagining that glorious past, they told legends or stories about great heroes and kings who built the city. Aeneas. The Romans believed their history could be traced back to a great Trojan hero named Aeneas. When the Greeks destroyed Troy in the Trojan War, Aeneas fled with his followers. After a long and dangerous journey, he reached Italy. The story of this trip is told in the Aeneid, an epic poem written by a poet named Virgil around 20 BC. According to the story, when Aeneas reached Italy, he found several groups of people living there. He formed an alliance with one of these groups, a people called the Latins, Together, they fought the other people of Italy.
After defeating these opponents, Aeneas married the daughter of the Latin king. Aeneas, his son, and their descendants became prominent rulers in Italy. Romulus and Remus. Among the descendants of Aeneas were the founders of Rome. According to Roman legends, these founders were twin brothers named Romulus and Remus. In the story, these boys led exciting lives. When they were babies, they were put in a basket and thrown into the Tiber River. They didn't drown, though, because a wolf rescued them. The wolf cared for the boys for many years. Eventually, a shepherd found the boys and adopted them. After they grew up, Romulus and Remus decided to build a city to mark the spot where the wolf had rescued them. While they were planning the city, Remus mocked one of his brother's ideas. In a fit of anger, Romulus killed Remus. He then built the city and named it Rome after himself. Rome's Early Kings According to ancient historians, Romulus was the first king of Rome, taking the throne in 753 BC. Modern historians believe that Rome could have been founded within 50 years before or after that day. Roman records list seven kings who ruled the city. Not all of them were Roman. Rome's last three kings were Etruscans, members of a group of people who lived north of Rome. The Etruscans, who had been influenced by Greek colonies in Italy, lived in Italy before Rome was founded. The Etruscan kings made great contributions to Roman society. They built huge temples and Rome's first sewer. Many historians think that the Romans learned their alphabet and numbers from the Etruscans. The last Roman king was said to have been a cruel man who had many people killed, including his own advisors. Finally, a group of nobles rose up against him. According to tradition, he was overthrown in 509 BC. The nobles, who no longer wanted kings, created a new government. Okay. Now it's time to go back to the handout and answer the questions for this last part. Remember to look at all the questions for the last section before coming back here. The Early Republic. The government the Romans created in 509 BC was a republic. In a republic, people elect leaders to govern them. Each year, the Romans elected officials to rule the city. These officials had many powers, but only stayed in power for one year. This system was supposed to keep any one person from becoming too powerful in the government. But Rome was not a democracy. The city's elected officials nearly all came from a small group of wealthy and powerful men. These wealthy and powerful Romans held all the power, and the other people had little to no say in how the Republic was run. Challenges from the outside. Shortly after the Romans created the Republic, they found themselves at war. For about 50 years, the Romans were at war with other peoples of the region. For the most part, the Romans won these wars, but they lost several battles, and the wars destroyed many lives and much property. During particularly difficult wars, the Romans chose dictators, rulers with almost absolute power, to lead the city. To keep them from abusing their power, dictators could only stay in power for six months. When that time was over, the dictator gave up his power. One of Rome's famous dictators was Cincinnatus, who gained power in 458 BC. Although he was a farmer, the Romans chose him to defend the city against a powerful enemy that had defeated a large Roman army. Cincinnatus quickly defeated the city's enemies. Immediately, he resigned as dictator and returned to his farm, long before his six-month term had run out. The victory by Cincinnatus did not end Rome's troubles. Rome continued to fight its neighbors on and off for many years. So when we think of the word dictator, remember that when the word came into use first in Rome, it wasn't used to describe someone who was a harsh leader the way it's used today. In fact, 
While the dictator in Roman times had complete control, they were only in power for six months, and they were chosen by the people to lead them. Biography, Cincinnatus. Cincinnatus is the most famous dictator from the early Roman Republic. Because he wasn't eager to hold on to his power, the Romans considered Cincinnatus an ideal leader. They admired his abilities and his loyalty to the Republic. The early citizens of the United States admired the same qualities in their leaders. In fact, some people called George Washington the American Cincinnatus when he refused to run for a third term as president. The people of the state of Ohio also honored Cincinnatus by naming one of their major cities, Cincinnati, after him. Let's also take a look at the map because while most people think of Rome as a huge empire, which it did become later, at the beginning, it really wasn't that big. In context of the Italian peninsula, you can see where Greeks had created colonies to the south, and the Etruscans held a lot more land to the north than the Romans did. The Carthaginians are located in the northern part of Africa, so you can see how close Europe and Africa are to each other. Challenges within Rome Enemy armies weren't the only challenge facing Rome. Within the city, Roman society was divided into two groups. Many of Rome's plebeians were calling out for changes in the government. They wanted more of a say in how the city was run. Rome was run by powerful nobles called patricians. Only patricians could be elected to office, so they held all political power. The plebeians were peasants, craftspeople, traders, and other workers. Some of these plebeians, especially traders, were as rich as patricians. Even though the plebeians outnumbered the patricians, they couldn't take part in government. In 494 BC, the plebeians formed a council and elected their own officials, an act that frightened many patricians. They feared that Rome would fall apart if the two groups couldn't cooperate. The patricians decided that it was time to change the government. So now that we've finished reading the last part of this section, go back to your handout for the final time and write in your answers. Don't forget to use a different color so it's easy for me to see your answers. And please don't use a light color like orange or yellow. Remember to turn your work in on Classroom, and I'll see you next time with another assignment. Stay well.